following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sideline. Uh, with me, as always, my co-pilot, Matt. Matt, say hello. Hi. I don't know what hello. I don't know where that hello. came from. <laughs> hello. Um, and back with us for a record-setting, is this fourth appearance, third appearance? I've honestly lost track. I, I think <laughs> it's three or four um, big fan of the show. Uh, Megan Doyle. I don't know necessarily big fan, but definitely somebody that <laughs> occasional <can> get. listener, <laughs> <laughs> big contributor to the show, Miss Megan Doyle. All right. Um, before we uh, get into our topics that we're going to go over today, can I vent a little bit about the Bills on Sunday? I don't know. We talked about this before we started recording. This is I our know. plan. Listen, they don't know that we plan this out. It doesn't come across as planned. We got to come across <laughs> that we have a plan. Wait, you guys plan this? We're on the we're on the no plan plan. <laughs> I just showed up today. Um, but the Bills game, it was first of all, I was at the game. It was the I don't go to a ton of Bills games. I try to go to some, you know, one or two a year. It was by far the loudest I've ever heard that stadium. It was rocking. Um, and that even just getting to the game, um, you know, we usually leave at, uh, we'll leave by like 9 30, 10 and still have no problem getting to the stadium. We left at 9 30. I don't think we got to the stadium till almost noon. I mean, we really? were stuck in traffic. Uh, Southwest was like completely blocked off. Um, you know, I've got a couple friends that will take this shortcut, take this shortcut. Everything was just blocked. Parking lots were packed. I don't even know where we – I think we parked like two miles from the stadium because we just got to the point where, hey, there's a stadium open or a parking lot open. Who cares what they're charging? Just we pulled in. Um, It was – so we we had a nice walk there, which was great because I got to burn off my calories and then get more calories in the stadium during the game and then burn them back off on the walk home or the walk back to the car. But – it was fantastic. My wife surprised me with tickets, so thank you, Vicky. It was the best gift ever. Um, not that it was for any reason. It was just other than she's the best wife ever and surprised me with tickets. Um, but it was it was loud. It was a great atmosphere, um, and especially uh, during the opening kickoff, which couldn't have gone any better. Opening kickoff took it to, I think, the 20, 25-yard line. Yeah. 75-yard um, return by McKenzie, and then just... Nothing. Nothing. Three and out in a field goal. Um, couldn't move the ball very much, but it was just, I don't know what happened. I mean, what do you guys think? I, I just, I'm a little a little flabbergasted. I know this isn't a Bills show, but we're going to hey, talk, we talk about bit. sports. We can this talk about sports. sports. Yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, what do you guys think about the game? Okay. Um, Megan's not out. I'm trying to be courteous here. I know, I know. <clears throat> um... I think it was just the hype. I think I think that after the way last season ended and the way that, you know, there's so much hope and anticipation from the middle of January until now, um, I think that just got the better of 
even the players. And, you know, the players, you expect them to still, you know, play the game. But I just think the amount of just – because last season was probably the best season we've had in over, like, 10 years, and there was no fans. So first game with having full capacity, everybody psyched because of such a great season. I think that just – everybody was so excited that they were just making mistakes because there were so many penalties just on the Bills side alone that just were sloppy penalties that I think it's just because they weren't focused. It showed. And at the end, the end of the day, I think it was a good learning learning thing that we needed to go through. Gladly, it was like the first game and not like the last one. But And I think you're right. I think the expectations, not only that we were so successful last season, but that Josh had, Josh had the season that he had. I mean, second place in the MVP, my opinion, should have won the MVP. Um, but just... We expected, all right, he's going to just pick up where he left off. It was going to be another game where we're going to score our 30, 35 points. Our defense, which I thought, I mean, was lights out in the first half. Even in the second half, they played spectacular. I think they held the Steelers to under 250 yards total, under 300, if I'm not mistaken. Only 54 in the first half. Um, So it still played really well, but it was just, I think, everything went as well as it did last year, and we were expecting to just pick right up. I know I certainly was, and it it was a letdown, not only to have the offense uh, not be as well as they did, but just to lose a game. And I think, and I know myself, I kind of forgot this too, it's not like we were playing a scrub team. I mean, we were yeah. playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, their offense didn't look that great. I mean, they had to score uh, a touchdown off the block punt, um, and then they got set up in field goal or in uh, – range with the fumble, Josh Allen fumble, but it was, they weren't exactly playing a scrub team. I mean, they were playing a team that's, you know, one of the tops in the league year in and year out. Um, so I think that kind of, uh, for me, I, I agree. I thought it was going to be an easy win or definitely a win. Maybe I bought in a little bit too much of the hype, but uh, it was it was definitely disappointing. It's all right. You know, we're playing Miami this week, and I think it's more of a well- caliber team that we should be playing like in the beginning of the season to get like our feet back into things just not i I think i I attribute playing the steelers to like playing like the tom brady patriots like for the first game like it's something that's not a great way to start off on the like like right away but you just need that first win and then i think i think later in the season if we were winning we could definitely have beaten the steelers team just we just didn't have the the experience under us. We did beat them for the past two years, though. So we that did. also was going against us. We did. But Definitely though, close games those two years. They were close games, but they were also later in the season. Later in the season. But if you look at those games, it kind of played out the way that Sunday did, too. They were low-scoring games. Our offense didn't look horrible, but didn't look great by any means. Um, it just so happened, you know, the other two games we were able to win this one. We, we came weren't. up short. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I'll tell you, we were three rows up, not to uh, brag or whatever. We were three <laughs> rows up from the goal line. I've never sat in that close to a, a um, an NFL game, and it was just crazy. I mean, thank, the only score, the only touchdown that they scored was literally right in our end zone where we were on the goal line. And to see the players that close and to see the celebrations that close, I mean, it was it was awesome. Yeah, seeing those like professional players like up close is really weird because you know you see them 
on TV and you're like, these are pro athletes. Like they're like the best of the best. And then you see them in person and then you're just like, these people are huge. I was going to say, I don't think you realize just how big they are until you see them up close. Yeah. Like, I mean, on TV, like you said, on TV, all right, six, five is six, five, six. What? But until you're seeing that up close, six, five, 256, some of these lines is six, five, three, three bills is yeah. huge. Yeah. I, uh, I saw back during the Rex Ryan years, I sang the national anthem for the Bills game. So I got to go onto the field and like walk back onto this. And this was during like the Dars, uh, the Darius, um, Marcel Darius years. And he was on the sideline when I walked by. (laughs) And I looked at that man. I was like, oh, this man looks like he's like a bus. These people are huge. And they were giving me high fives. And their hands were the size of my head. (laughs) They're so huge. So, and, and like, I think my favorite thing is like watching. People watch football like my dad, who's like, "Why can't they just like catch the ball? They get pl- like they get paid enough." But then when you see these people, it's like, if this guy was running at me, this this big of a dude, and I'm trying to catch a ball, no, I'd be more focused on not getting hit by that. Yeah, especially going over the middle and getting crushed by some guy who's just as big, just as fast as you, and he's coming in at 100 miles an hour. His goal is to put you down. Mm -hmm. Especially (laughs) you look at football back in the 80s and 90s where those guys, there wasn't these uh, helmet-to-helmet penalties. and I mean, they were going out there and launching themselves like missiles, which was a lot of fun to watch, but I'm sure (laughs) I, I... don't want to take a hit from any of them, no, for sure. They're paying the price, but... Oh, absolutely. They're getting paid, but they're also paying a big price. Athletes, support them. Love them. Remember, if you, them. if you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. Exactly. Who says that? It's from Greece. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's from Greece. <laughs> I was like, that's something I know, and I don't know what I know it from. <laughs> oh, gosh. I absolutely. Was... They, they make the announcement about the pep rally, and they're like, remember, if you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. Do you say that often? No. <laughs> I think you should. You should add that to your repertoire. That's going to be my new line. <laughs> at the parent-teacher, at the parent-athlete meeting, you should say that. <laughs> We haven't had ours yet. Ours is coming up next week, I think. So Ooh, that'll exciting. be a good line. Exciting. That'll those be a good line to come times. in. I hated um, those. Yeah, I'm. I'm still not a fan of them. Fan. Um, I'm not a fan. I wasn't a fan of. Although back when I was playing, we didn't really have the parent, pre-parent uh, meeting or whatever with coaches. It was more or less. Um, you your coach would just kind of say hi while he, your parents are watching him at the sideline, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like those have been like a recent addition where schools have made them mandatory. Yeah, I mean, having like the parent, the parent, uh, not the parent, the coach athlete meeting. I understand because like when I used to play, we would have. I remember like the coach sitting us down before like our first practice. Oh, for and, like, sure. Yeah, that I understand. But then they're like, but don't forget to bring your parents to the parent. And it was like basically them telling our parents exactly what they told us. But I think, I think especially if you get into high school, um, you should put that respect. Like the, the kids are old enough to like relay the message back to the parents. You don't like, especially if you're just saying the same thing. But sometimes I think it's for the parents too. Like you have those parents who are so, I'll say overprotective. They're involved. You know, they're, they're involved, involved with it. That's a good word. Um, where it's like more for them, so the coach can lay down the line, like, hey. 
you know, after that game, let's wait 24 hours to contact me about any concerns you might have. I think oh, we have the 24 hour rule. Oh yeah. Um, I know uh, Jamie, who I coach with, um, who I'm hoping uh, is going to be our guest next week. Yes. Um, so uh, we we both have the 24 hour rule, where if a parent comes up to us after a game, um, okay, valid concern. You know what? Uh, do me a favor. Talk to me about it tomorrow. Um, 24 hour rule that way. And that's not only for, that's not only for coaches, especially if it's a close win, close loss, close game. Um, that's not only just for us. It's also for parents too, Mm -hmm. because you know, if you've got a parent that's hot about something, uh, maybe playing time, maybe they felt their kid was in the wrong position, whatever. Um, they didn't like something that you did out there. Um, it gives them a chance to cool off and think about exactly what they want to say. Or maybe they were just, Hey, it was heat of the moment. I'm not really all that concerned about it. And same time, if you know, I know if we're coming off of a close loss or a tie or whatever, and we're a game, especially if it's a game against that I felt we should have won, I'm not going to be in a talkative mood either right after the game. So for me, I know I need that 24-hour rule so that I can just go home, calm down, decompress. Um, not that I'm sitting there slamming and breaking clipboards <laughs> no. or anything, but... You know, so that I can relax and then think about it. And then when I come back tomorrow, if you want to talk to me at practice or after practice, I have no problem with that. Um, so, yeah, we definitely have the 24-hour rule. And I recommend it to any any coach, any parent out there. If you have a problem, just think about it. If it, you feel that it's still that big of a concern that you need to address it, talk to the coach tomorrow. Yeah, talk to the sleep coach on the next it. day. Sleep on it. Yeah. Sleep on it. I feel like I make a lot of my good decisions when I sleep on it. I make all my decisions when I sleep on it. <laughs> um, but we're going to talk, uh, speaking about um, the Bills maybe uh, believing into the hype or maybe it was a little overhype. Um, Do you ever have seasons where you just felt like coming into the season, like, man, we're going to set the world on fire this year. Um, and then just all of a sudden it just goes off the rails quickly. Um, I know I've been in that situation where uh, whether it was maybe me overestimating my team that I've had in years past or maybe it's been me underestimating some of the teams that I know we're going to play in the league, feeling that it would be a down year. Um, but there's been there's been times where I've come into the season and know and we've rolled and had really good seasons. There's also been teams where you're two or three games or four games into the season and you're still searching for your first win when in the back of your mind you're like, "Are you kidding? I kind of thought I'd be undefeated by now." Um, what have you guys ever been in that and been in those positions, uh, whether player or or coach? Um, have you ever had those, or even on the flip side where you just had a where you thought it was going to be a really bad or a rough year, and next thing you know, halfway through the season you're battling for tops in the division. Um, either overhyped or underhyped. Have you guys had any of those uh, that you can think about? I see we're in deep thought over here. Deep thought. Um, well, being a newer coach, kind of. You're. I'd say. I'd say you're past the newer. You you've been coaching soccer for four years, lacrosse for three or four. Same. Well, the COVID year threw it off a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'd say. I'd say you're into that. You're into that veteran sage of coaching. <laughs> I was going to say for lacrosse, maybe not at the JV level, but I feel like our varsity team 
they came out strong. They actually did really, really well. And I think it was towards the end. I don't know if it just was the pressure that got to them, but we, I don't know. You know, just, just kind of things kind of snowballed and yeah. went out of control. And I could see that happening. And I mean, sometimes for teams, it doesn't take much. Yeah. I think just like in games, sometimes a team can take the momentum in games. I think a team or a game can go away just uh, that quickly in a season where it can next thing you know you're you're on a three game four game yeah. losing streak um but it's uh how do you handle like how do you handle such seasons like that or how did you handle that season where you kind of got off to a fast start and just seemed to fizzle out so again it was just that and it was like playoffs that's like really when it happened and i think again it's almost like we were saying with the bills like it's that pressure and you have you have all that support and everything's going really really well and then you get to the point where it matters and i think whether it's players or like there's like that panic and it just kind of falls apart a little. And I think everyone, <gasps> I'm losing my words right now. I don't <laughs> even know how to explain what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, but I get it. And you hear about it all the time. Um, just having playoff experience, yeah. um, you know, where you, you hear about it for me. I, I always hear about it. It seems to come up in the NHL playoffs where you, well, this team's been there before. They've been there before. They have that playoff experience. Um, and you always wonder, especially as pro athletes, does it really make that big of a difference if you've gone this deep into the playoffs? Or is it just um, you're a pro athlete? When you get there, you should know how to play in the playoffs just like you played and dominated in the regular season. Um I buy a little bit into playoff experience. I think sometimes it can be, you know, made into a little bit more uh, than it is. I'd like to think, you know, nine times out of ten, especially at the pro level, uh, talent and the better team is going to win out. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just, I I think uh, it sometimes, I don't know. I wonder exactly how much just being there before helps. Like even the Bills... Last year, the year previous to that, when they got uh, made the playoffs but got beat by Houston in the first round, how much did that really help them last year where they were able to make the AFC championship game? And if they you know, get into the playoffs, when they get into the playoffs this year, how much is that playoff run last year that they had going to help them this year to hopefully advance to a Super Bowl and, and win it? Is it something that you guys feel is important to have or just hey i'd rather be on the dominant team we kicked your butt in the regular season we're going to kick your butt in the playoffs matt's i see is matt's the, the, so, the wheels are turning so i'm a for for hockey i'm a big washington capitals fan and i think this is this is a great example um sounds like there's something that needs to be updated no we got facebook messages coming in oh so that's dude, all right dude all right anyways <laughs> i'll worry about we'll worry about the fans later um so if you look at it, I don't know how much you know about Washington Capitals and their their hockey stuff, but you know you look at them throughout the regular season; they're always top of the division, always, always top of the division. Play very well, but for I don't know a good consecutive amount of years, they would just get to the first round of playoffs and eat, squeak by, and then second round always get kicked out, always get kicked out, always get kicked out. So I think. Like yeah, you can be dominant in the regular season, but and sometimes playoffs. You, I think, playing in a season, 
you kind of can get like certain players can get into like the mindset of like okay if i lose we still got these amount of games that we can still get to the playoffs once you get to the playoffs it's different you lose you're done you win you keep going and i think that um if your players or if you can't get that mindset switch that you kind of just lull yourself into failure because you're still just like in regular season mode so in some ways if you have more playoff experience and you're more used to this that that cutthroat like it's either win or go home that can help that can help but also you know some players play like it's that like all the time so playoff experience doesn't matter to them yeah I don't. I don't know. So, no, I I get that, and you see, you definitely have on certain teams where, um, I know for the longest time it's been like this for Joe Thornton, where he's a great regular season uh, player, but then sometimes he'll fade away during the playoffs. Um, I definitely think there's a different playing in the playoffs is a different animal, but you'd like to think, like you said, they just step up. I know. That was the big uh, monkey on Ovechkin's back all the time. Oh, gosh, yeah. Great regular season player. Wouldn't play horrible in the playoffs, but just could never get over, over the hump. hump. Yeah. Could never, you know, he would play good in the playoffs, but never just go out there and mm-hmm. dominate a series. But he could do that in the regular season. Oh, absolutely. So is it just that pressure? It, like I, that- it could be. I mean, maybe some people fold under pressure. Yeah, like maybe, especially like in the Capitals example, like, Every time, like, the fans would hope, like, they get to the playoffs, like, this is the year that they're just going to push over that hump. And maybe that pressure alone can get to yeah. them and be like, ah, it's like... Well, look at the Bills. Uh, <laughs> but, like, that's uh, that's we, the we, weird we... thing. We made it to the championship <laughs> four years in a row. <laughs> it's still too soon. Too soon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> too soon. No, but, I mean, if you look, especially in the first year um, against the Giants, I mean, they were... They were dominating everybody. Not only that, but they were a big favorite to come into that Giants game. I believe, I want to say, um, and again, I was, I don't know, 10 or 11 when the game was played. Uh, but I want to say that they were going in with at least like a four or five point favorite. I mean, they were they were pretty heavily favored. Um, and again, just whatever, whether it was the other coaches from the Giants um, whether it was Bill Parcells just really game planning and they knew their opponent better or um, our players didn't step up or whatever it was, um, I, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle there and it, it, it uh, you know, so bad stuff happens for the Bills. Well, could it also be because, you know, for example, like that or, you know, in any example, really, you're say you play really well in like the regular season and you're just dominating and you get to the championship. The other part is maybe you're not taking it seriously because you've been doing so well. Mm-hmm. So you kind of just, you don't think like I have to give it my all. It's like, Oh, we've been cleaning the entire, I don't know, league for the entire season. Yeah. It's nothing different. And then they catch you on that. And I feel like it could also be too. You're giving it your all the whole time. And then like by the end of the season, I mean, you have players hurt, you have players tired because they've been giving it their all that whole season. So when you get to that playoff spot, it's you're, you're worn down, you're worn down or other teams might be like kind of figuring it out, not giving it their all. And then they decide they want it. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think there is, I think there is a point too, where if you, if you are dominating during the regular season, sometimes you get a little overconfident, you get a little cocky and Hey, we're, we, We've beaten everybody this year. We're we're destroying teams, and next thing you know, it, things don't go your way, especially early on. And sometimes you don't know how to handle that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I know that I know that definitely happens at the high school uh, level a lot. You know, where you get a team, and I've been on both ends where um, we've been the underdog, and we've come in, and this team has kicked our butts the last four or five years in a row, or they've beat us earlier in the season by a pretty good margin. End of the season comes, we play them on the second time, and we beat them. Um, or, you know, I've been on the other hand where you destroy a team early in the season. Some of your players, no matter how much you tell them as a coach, hey, last game was last game. This is a brand new game. This is a brand new game. Next thing you know, you're down two or three goals quick and you can't recover. Um, so I do think it, it, it I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, again, even though they are, you know, you get to that pro level, you get to the college level, the pro level, you think, well, he's a pro athlete. They're going to know better. These are pros. These are pros. They know how to handle that situation. I think it might not even be that they don't know how to handle the situation, but they still get into that situation. They're, they're human. They're Absolutely. human too. And like, they suffer from the same emotions that we do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and I think sometimes as fans, we forget, you know, all we think is, well, they're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. They should know better. They should know better. No matter how much money you get paid, if it's just not your day, it's just not your day. I mean, also getting paid that much money and having like that constant, like, uh, like comment from people is another added pressure that, like that the the regular person doesn't know. That would make me nervous. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like not only is there like hundreds of thousands of fans depending on me, but there's also this person that's paying me millions of dollars, expecting me to do this exact thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, for sure. Yeah, if you're playing like your pee wee soccer game, you're not gonna get like nobody's endorsing you. Nobody's like all this yeah. writing on you winning. So it's only just you and your bragging rights. Yeah, and you're thinking about getting the orange slices at halftime. Yeah, well, I'm know. gonna get those orange slices. <laughs> I'm gonna. But before I forget, when you were talking about like you know, underestimating like an opponent or going in as like very kind of cocky, um, I had a I had a memory uh, when I was playing for a team. We were very bad. I played for a lot of bad teams, <laughs> <laughs> but we were very bad, and we played this one team earlier in the season, and they clapped us. Like, and we played them later on in the season, where like we eventually clicked, and we—I think this was like our only win of the season. But I remember we were outplaying this team because they underestimated us, and I had people coming up to me as I was playing, and they're like, "You guys weren't this good, like." a month ago like what's going on it's like we can't stop you and i think that like is a perfect example like they underestimated us and you know the team might not actually know that they're getting underestimated but if you just keep doing your thing you'll eventually catch somebody off guard now as a coach do you ever have that conversation or have that use that as motivation before like during your pregame speech hey guys this team already thinks they've won this game. Look at the way they're warming up, even though you might not see them warming up any differently, but look at the way they're warming up. They're not respecting you. They're disrespecting you. They're thinking back to the time that they beat you 5 nothing. Have you used that? I know I certainly have. As a coach, sometimes I look for everything. I'll make stuff up. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll make I would, stuff up. I'd make stuff up even if I didn't see Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I think, and it's it's always just that, easiest way to motivate somebody i know for me if you tell somebody hey number whatever is thinks that you're a chump are you kidding me i'm gonna go out and purposely try to beat number 11 on the scoreboard or megam or something um so and so says you dip your chicken wings in ranch you gonna take that (laughs) 
But it's just, you know, I think it's the easiest or should be the easiest way to fire a team up. Yeah. Um, now, on the flip side, you know, as a coach, you've have you ever had that where you've, on the flip side, you've had to, you've beaten a team pretty bad and you've had to use, listen, I don't care what the score was last time. I don't care if it was, have you had to kind of rip into a team just to settle them down or get them to refocus? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Megan's had a lot of those speeches. Megan, now have you, uh, do you remember any speeches that you've given or that you've heard at the, as a player? I mean, all of the above. All of the above? I feel like in high school, for, and I'm just thinking lacrosse right now, I was playing on a team where, like, I was on varsity four years. My first year, we were terrible, and by my senior year, it was, like, the turnaround. Like, we were turning it around. We, we didn't win sectionals or anything, but they... When, I don't know if they did the next year or the year after, but it was just like we were just growing and growing and getting better and better. Um, so I've heard many of those speeches on both sides. <laughs> I've also had to give them. Oh, um, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially my my first year coaching JV lacrosse, we, we were pretty good. And there were definitely times we came in way more confident. And you you do. You have to be like, listen, I'm like... I don't even know. I keep losing my train of thought today. <laughs> but that's all right. I get it. Now, for, for pregame speeches, have you guys, um, or even Megan, do you, like, go into the pregame speech or the halftime speech, like, with, like, have it set up, hey, I'm going to say this, 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 I'm going to scream here, I'm going to say this, or do you just go in there, like, totally, maybe think, like, one or two ideas, but everything else is pretty much off the cuff? Um, I do both. I try to have it a little bit scripted. Um, especially if I see like we have three minutes left, I'll I'll make like mental notes. I'm like we need to touch on this point. I need to say this. I need to yell a little bit. Um, but sometimes it's unscripted. Like I had an unscripted moment yesterday, and anything you want to talk about a little unscriptedness or I mean it was just we weren't doing the best, and it wasn't even our playing. It was just more our attitudes and. Sometimes teams just don't get along, and they just were having a hard time and fighting, and I pulled them off, and I had to kind of yell at them. And I, I'm i a coach that I don't like to yell at my team. I don't. I try to keep it as positive as I can, but I had to yell, and it was very unscripted, and I, I think I scared them. <laughs> I, I almost kind of want to – I'd like to see video of that because I don't think I've ever seen Megan without a smile on her face. I don't think I've ever seen Megan, like, like yell – or, like, physically get mean with somebody or get angry. So just to see you, like, yelling, I think that would be, like, if, if I was in that, I wouldn't be, like, crying or anything. I'd be, like, more like, whoa. Well, and, like, that's the thing I think I have in my favor is that that's the reaction I get. They know I'm positive, And, like, even in school, I'm, like, they know I'm a positive person. So when I do yell, when I am upset, like, something went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know my first year... Um, coaching, I, I think I've said this story before on on uh, the air, but it was I was that positive coach. I was I you know ran them hard, worked them hard, but all right, everything's good, everything's good. High fives on the sideline. Let's go, we can pick it up. Um, but then at the same time, uh, I you know the first the first game that we really were not playing as well as we needed to, and we were down two nothing at halftime to a team that we should have been beating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I lit into them on the sideline and at first like I said I I didn't get the reaction that I wanted I got the you know like the the deer in the headlights look like what's going on here coach never screams coach never yells at us like what's 
it's what's going on. So once they kind of got over that shock, we played a much better second half, and uh, we ended up winning the game three to two. And it was still after the game, it was still that they were kind of standoffish, like, "All right, coach, are you happy? Like, are you back to normal? Like, the bus ride was silent." Yeah. And I'm looking at the, guys. We won. What's going on here? You should be happy. Good comeback. Are you going to yell at us again? Are you <laughs> we're, okay? We're scared of you, coach. <laughs> and that's when you yell your compliments. <laughs> like, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> Celebrate now before I yell at you more. Uh, but I think you need to have that. Yeah. And I think on the flip side, sometimes if you are that constant coach that just yells, 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 you're going to drown them out. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's not going to um, it's not going to mean anything. Yeah, I made a mistake. I know I made a mistake. Coach is going to yell about it like he does always for five minutes. I've got to listen to him, whatever. When he finally shuts up, um, then I'm sure he'll find something else to yell at us about. But and you get zoned out, and the messages, no matter how good or bad, get lost. Yeah. But um, I think on the I think too though you can't always be you can't always be that positive, positive, positive coach either. Um, I need to be way more mean. And I, I've, I've had my kids tell me that, too. And I know I do. And I just, it makes my stomach turn. But you've got to be. You've got know, it in you. I know. Um, and I know. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to call out Svee here a little bit, your assistant coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Svee's told me before, too, especially, like, in fact, after, uh, I think it was after the second or third practice, she, uh, you know, texted me and said, you know, can Megan get mean? I believe it. And I was like, I, I don't. I, I think so. Um, she was like, yeah, she's like, she's a good coach, but sometimes she's got to be, she's got to yell at them. She's got to yeah. get on them. She can't be little Miss Sunshine all the time. No, and that's, and honestly, I, I know when I have to, and I, there's times I am way more or way tougher than I am. But again, this is such a weird year where on a JV team where we're playing most JV teams, ninth and 10th graders, I have a team of mostly seventh graders and a few of them who have never played soccer. So I'm trying to balance the, well, I have kids who know how this works, and I have to push them. But then I have these new kids who I'm trying to get to love the sport so they don't just get scared and quit. Oh, for and sure. And I think that's, like, such a weird balance that I- I'm trying to figure out right now. I honestly, and I'll be honest, like, I, it's new for me. <laughs> and it's funny because um, I'm actually filling in for Megan tomorrow. I'm coaching her JV team. So they're, tomorrow they're going to get the big, bad varsity coach. I can't wait. Who apparently I've been told, um, and I don't know if I agree with this, but I've been told I can be very intimidating as a coach. I don't see it. I've had players that have had me for years and say that I'm – and and we'll talk about this next week. Hopefully if Jamie comes on, Jamie, you better come on next week, um, that Jamie's the, Jamie's the intimidating coach and I'm the uh, – I'm more of the friendly coach except for this year – where I've become more of the uh, angry coach, more of the intense coach, which I don't, I kind of thought I was always intense, but I'd like to think I'm not intimidating, even though Megan's told me before that I'm quite intimidating at work. I thought, or, was, or was that, was I the only person that you weren't intimidated? Coach, you're being scary. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I see it now, now that like, I know you and Jamie, where. I, I see her being more intimidating. I think I just don't know her too, though. And then you're 
less intimidating, but it's because I know you. I think if I didn't know you, I would be scared of you. And I think when I didn't know you very well, I was a little scared of you. Really? Yeah. So I was the scary, intimidating guy that just kept asking you to do favor after favor after favor after favor. Why do you think I was scared to say no? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope I didn't scare you into saying yes. But uh, no, for the summer camp, Megan was the uh, like she is now. Anytime I need a, a guest on that's gonna, I know is gonna rock it. She's like, okay, I'll come on the podcast. Okay, um, but it was always, hey, Megan, do you want to do this game show? Megan, do you want to do this uh, this sumo? Megan, do you want to? And it was yes, yes, yes. Except Megan does not dress up in costumes. Nope. Well, <laughs> well, green ones. With... Green, green one, Rinkin Puss costumes. <laughs> yeah. Um. But so, yeah, it's um, I think you definitely um, you have to ride that fine line where you have to be an intimidating coach. You have to be an accessible coach. You have to be um, uh, a friendly and and coach. But I think at at the end of the day, I think as long as your players know that you're there for their betterment, Mm -hmm. you're there to help them out and you're going to make them a better player, um, I think you'll gain the respect of your your players. Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about. I think once a coach gets the respect of their players, that's when you'll see a team that they'll go through walls for you. Um I think that's where you you'll see a team that you know can pull off the upset. You know, maybe they're not the most talented team, but they can come in because they have that respect for their coach. They're ready to go through a wall for you. Um I know I've played on teams where um we no matter what the coach said, whether it was right or wrong, we were going to go out there and we were going to battle every single game for him. Um, so it was, uh, I think you definitely get the upsets brewing at that point. Um, Matt, I know you're still kind of new to coaching. Have you ever had that, uh, that where you just found yourself to be either, Hey, I'm being too friendly. Hey, I'm being too scary. Um, the, the few coaching experiences I've had, it's not the sense of like being too friendly or being too scary. It's just, like my problem is like being very loud and I guess being loud can be interpreted as being like mean or like scary, no matter what you're saying, just because you're speaking with a very loud tone of voice. Um, but what I, I'm not a person who likes confrontation. I don't like calling people out on stuff. And I also don't like, you know, pointing out stuff. So the way I get through it, is my old thespian days. I like to like try to try to create a character in my head that like, I kind of, I kind of see it as acting. So like, this isn't me. And like, if I have to do something, like I kind of get into a character to be able to do it and then have like that switch between back and forth. Um, for my own personal sake, I've never had a person say I've been mean or I've been like too nice. It's just coach. you're, You're very loud. Um, but I think I think it's just that's the way I get over it because I don't like confrontation. I don't like causing like just like bringing up like, hey, you're not doing this correctly. You got to do it like this. Like, I don't want to be in a mean way, but also like I just so I create a character and that's how I am able to do it. OK. In a weird way. No, I could see that. Um, and I definitely think that could be something where, you know, hey, this is. Sports Matt, this is Coach Matt, this is Player Matt on the field. When I'm off the field, I'm just regular, everyday, you know, me, Matt. Right, and I think I think also, thank, thankfully from you, Larry, I learned how to harness this 
from last year of how to develop a character that I put my entire effort into, <laughs> and then as soon as it's done, I can switch it off. But also the the pre match speeches when you talked about giving like those rah rah speeches. I'm very good with just kind of going off the cusp there. <laughs> like we're just like going down from just talking to yelling and just reading the room. Um, and obviously in a coaching, I'm not looking for cheers and hoorays. It's just like if if I can tell that they're down, I'll try to talk in a way that gets them boosted up. But if like if I can tell that they're not focused, I can read the room and switch into like that. But thank th- I, I attribute it all to you, Larry. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say, I wasn't going there. And I saw what I said, you know, player Matt, coach Matt. I thought I, I saw it in your eyes. Like, he's going to say he's going to say macho Matt. I was I wasn't going to go there. But, you know, oh, yeah, but it's true. It is. And sometimes I, I never really look. It's funny because I never really looked at it as as playing a part. But you're you're right. You know, when you're out there coaching, you're playing the part of the coach. Not that you're really playing anybody different than yourself. But you're tapping into different parts of your personality that you're obviously not going to use in everyday life. I mean, when I'm out, you know, grocery shopping, I'm not sitting there like this watermelon is terrible. It should not be here. Let's get a new watermelon in here. Sub it out. I mean, you're not sitting there. You're not as intense, you know, but on the field, sometimes you've got to that intensity has got to be there, whether it's a player, whether it's a coach. You've got to be definitely more nitpicky. You've got to definitely have that edge and that uh, that instinct that. Hey, um, second best is not okay today. Playing yeah. just okay is not okay. We're looking for perfection. We're yeah. looking to beat this team. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you can't. If if I were to walk around my entire life uh, acting the way that I did on the sideline, acting the way that I do sometimes when I coach, not that I act horrible on the sideline, but with that same intensity, I probably would have had a heart attack about ten, fifteen years ago. <laughs> And I guarantee you, um, I wouldn't be doing this podcast because everybody would probably hate me and nobody would probably want to be around me and nobody would would for darn sure want to come on my podcast because they probably wouldn't like me. Again, not that I'm saying I, I have many. I, I like to think I have a lot of coaches out here that do like me, that do respect me. Um, in fact, uh, I keep bringing up next week's episode, but hopefully the plan for next week is to get um, – um, Jamie, who I coach with, Jamie Rapel, and uh, Rich Morano, who you guys would know from Next of Kin. We're going to give a little shout-out to his website or his podcast um, on the podcast precinct Next of Kin um, because we have a game next Wednesday, so I thought it would be a little fun. We're, we're working out the finalities. I thought it would be fun to get us uh, all three out there for a little podcast before on Tuesday before the game on Wednesday. So we'll have hopefully a lot of fun with that next week. Um, and I'll, then I'll be the mediator. I was going to say, Matt, you <laughs> might have to get your intense game face on there. You know, you might have to, hey, Larry, stop talking. Um, so you might have to uh, play mediator, play referee. Okay, I'll bring my us. cards. I'll bring my whistle. I'll yeah, start. Like, yellow, Larry, you're quiet for two minutes. <laughs> um, so it's going to hopefully get fun. That's a little uh, preview for next week's show. Um but getting back to getting back to a little bit of um uh I I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> I totally lost my train of it's thought. It's been now. happened to me all day. <laughs> um but uh do you think though um what are your guys thoughts on being a multi-sport athlete or just focusing on 
one set sport. We're we talking about like two sports in the se- like in the same season, or just you know, like say you do once fall, once winter, one spring. Like, yeah, I'd say. I mean, a little of both. I mean, I know nowadays um, schools are letting athletes play uh, two sports in one season, which I I can see pros and cons about that. So we can kind of open it up to that too. But I was thinking more along the lines of um, being a football player, being a basketball player, being a track and field athlete, um, as opposed to just being a football player. When football season's done, you've got your trainers, you're going to the gym, you're just doing football workouts. Then when spring comes out, you're doing spring ball, you're doing, you're playing nothing but football, football, football. Then by that time that's done, you know, summer obviously you're training football drills, then you're back in the fall, football, football, football. Um what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that kind of, can kind of burn an athlete out? Do you think that helps bring out the best in an athlete? I think it depends on the athlete, really. And, um, you know, you can, like, if you're good at multiple sports and you don't necessarily need that constant, constant grind, per se, or, like, if you find yourself doing a sport that helps in the other way. So, like, say, like, you're a quarterback in football and then you play baseball, you're still working on the same throwing mechanics and you're, you're still strengthening your arm. Um, I don't see that as a bad thing. Like even pro football players are like, yeah, I played baseball too. And like they did it all through college and they might have been drafted both. Like I know Russell Wilson was drafted by like in basketball and in football. So like also that's just opening up more lines of like paths for you to go. Um, if you really are just good at one game, like say you want to do like football, and you're kind of hesitant, like you do something else, like maybe just stick to football if you're really, really good. I, I don't know. It depends on the athlete. It depends on like, I think it's a, a joint effort between coach and athlete as well. Have you ever have you ever come across anybody um, that you've known that's just, hey, listen, I'm focusing on basketball, basketball, basketball. I'm focusing on football. Like, have you have you come across any friends or any athletes that have that have done that growing up? Yeah, my one friend Joe. He was really he's. All he did was baseball. All he did, like he, like he played like we we grew up playing like little league, like house little league soccer and baseball. He dropped base, he dropped soccer and focused mainly on baseball. Played travel, high school, uh, played club. He played other leagues. Like that's all he did. Like everything was baseball. Now, did you notice if he ever if he ever like talked about that he was getting burnt out that he was or was he always like hey yeah i can't get enough of this i'm ready let's go let's go season starts now like he definitely could not get enough of it but i don't like i i know some people who are also playing baseball with him that stopped and i think it's just like while he could keep going some just burnt out Mm -hmm. um i guess it also depends on how much how much passion you have for the game if you're playing it just because you like it or you're playing it because you're good at it Mm -hmm. or both yeah and I think sometimes I think you get athletes that um, play a sport that they're good at the sport that they might not necessarily be having fun with the sport or just hey I yeah I get it I'm I, I like baseball I'm good at baseball but you know what my passion is basketball I'm just kind of doing baseball for fun or my passion is football or soccer um, I definitely think you get to that and I definitely think it's I've had athletes like that before where I've known them from coaching them in soccer where they've had that passion, they've had that drive, they've had that, I want to be better, 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 better. And then when you get them at track and field, and it's not, they're doing it more as a conditioning sport, more as a, let me just do this to stay in shape, let me just do this to meet new people, to have friends. They don't have that same drive, that same passion, that same motivation. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, 
where's the where's the player that I saw, you know, in the fall? Where's the player that I saw that I coached three, four, five months ago? Where's where's that player who who gave it all on the field? I want to see a little bit more of them. And I've had players tell me, you know, coach, I'm only here for conditioning. I'm still going to try during meets, but I'm only here really just to to stay in shape. Um, and then I've there's been times I've gotten a little greedy and I've kind of tailored workouts for them, not necessarily for their event, but all right, this is going to help you in this, in your sprinting event or your throwing event or your running event, but it's also going to get you ready for playing midfield. It's also going to get you stronger. These are exercises or that you should be doing to get stronger playing soccer that can work your, your legs, work your upper body, work whatever you need to work on. So I'll see deficiencies in their game at the soccer or at soccer game or in their whatever I've coached them at before. And I kind of get them a little bit more involved in track. Hey, you do realize if you run this 800, if you run this mile, if you run this two mile, it's going to help you out in soccer. Mm -hmm. And they, it gets a little bit more of that passion for them, but they're always just going to be kind of like, eh, um, I'm here to, I'm here to train. I'm here to get better for soccer if I happen to win a couple meets, that's great. If I happen to make it to sectionals, that's great. If not, that's that's great too. Well, I, I have a question for you, actually. All right. So, um, now so, I'm on the hot seat. Exactly. So say, um, well, this can also go for you too, Megan. Um, it just popped track and field, and I was Coach Larry over here. Um, so say you have an athlete like that who's just doing it conditioning wise, um, and then you have somebody else of equal ability so like they're probably about equal but they're mainly focusing on track um if they're like if it comes between those two like selecting them for an event would like so like would you say say you have somebody that you know could win it um and like it's like would you go for the person who's just conditioning and doesn't really care or would you put the person who's really more passionate about it that's a good question i mean the beauty for track and field is um in most events, if not all events, especially for a dual meet, you're picking your top three. Okay. So uh, when it comes down to sprinters, um, throwers, whatever, you're picking your top three for varsity, which a lot of times it comes down to just, hey, this person's running faster than this person. This person's throwing farther than this person. So a lot of times it is an easy decision. There are certain times where you get, especially when you get to that third spot, picking that third spot for varsity, where... Yeah, there's been times that I've I've given it to the person if they're that close, if they're within a tenth of a second of each other, or if they're within you know inches um, at throwing. There has been a time where I've let that person who's been throwing a little little lighter or running a little slower, but I know that they're going to be ready to go for the meet. I know that they're going to be good in their warm ups. I know that they're going to be ready to hit it and come out of those blocks as fast as they can because they've been drilling on blocks the last week. Um, so, yeah, I do, especially if it's against the team that we need a little bit, you know, it might come down to a relay. It might come down to where we need to get a one, two, three in disc. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's a, it's a fine line, but there have been times that I've gone with the kid who just wants it a little bit more. Not always. There has been times where, I'll just have to look at it. Hey, so-and-so is throwing a solid foot further. We need this one. It's a big meet. I've He might not have that drive that uh, you know little Johnny does, but I've got to go with the better 
result. I've got to go with the kid who's more consistent. Um, Megan, have you had that happen, especially in lacrosse? I mean, again, I think it it all is situational. Um, and I definitely have players on my team who lacrosse is their entire life. Lacrosse year-round, every day, every weekend, like just lacrosse, 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 traveling all over the place. And then you have the players who are like three sport athletes and they still like the sport, but it's not their favorite. But I think it comes down to, you know, you have a game and even if you're losing or the team's just not there and they're off or something, if someone's willing to work harder than someone else, even if they're not the best, like you want to put that person in there because that will hopefully motivate the team and like turn it around. I think oh, it's for all, sure. You know, yeah. I, I think of it like that where I'm like, I'm going to put in whoever is going to work the hardest for me. I'm like, even if it's not the best. For sure. And I think and sometimes take that spot, you know, yeah. I'm putting them in. Absolutely. And sometimes your team can feed off that energy. Yeah. Sometimes just seeing, hey, so and so's in the game. They're not usually a starter. They're not, we're going to, Bust our butt and make them look make them look good, or play harder for yeah. them. Um, so it definitely can be a spark. Um, have you ever been involved where it's starting the wrong person kind of leads to a domino effect? Like how can coach start that person? Why you know where so and so is so much better? Why are they not starting? Like have you had? I'm judging you have. Yeah, absolutely. I think, absolutely. I, think, I think once you're coaching long enough, you've run into those situations. Coach, they don't even go to our school. <laughs> Coach, you literally just saw them walking in the arena and you grabbed them to coach the play. And I think I think with that is it happens the most when I put in that person who's been working so hard and I'm like finally giving them that chance because they've proven they've earned it. And then I sit someone who's like been a starter and then that person shuts down or like that person shuts down, so now they're like complaining to this person or throwing off the chemistry between these two, and it like spirals. They create the toxicity. Yes, absolutely. But... And uh, it's yeah, and it's it's you never realize, and I don't think I ever realized until I started coaching um, that just how important team chemistry is yeah. and can be. I mean, you always know it as a player. You know you. I don't know if you're thinking about it that much. Sometimes you might just get, well, I don't like playing with this person, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking of it, con- uh, you know, you might be thinking of it subconsciously, but as a coach, you definitely see um, the importance of having chemistry in a locker room, the importance of being a tight knit team mm-hmm. where it can definitely ruin a team very quickly. And on the, on the other side, it can definitely bring a average or even a little below average team it can definitely bring them to the next level because they're willing to lay everything out for their teammates yeah so i think it is a double-edged sword but again me personally i didn't realize just how important that team chemistry was until i started coaching probably like two or three years in um you kind of get that sense and even just it makes it it makes it more fun coaching Mm -hmm. there's been teams where um You've had those drama-filled teams where after practices you feel like you've been in a heavyweight fight because mm-hmm. you're putting out this fire, putting out that fire, yeah. putting out – well, it's okay. I know so-and-so doesn't like you, but you still got to pass to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just – it it drains you. And then there's been games where everybody's getting along every, all season long and you just yeah. – you're just like, oh, my God, this is, this is fun. <laughs> We're winning. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. It's – this is I love it. Let's go. Let's make practices four, five, six hours long. Yeah. Let's go. So I'm a coach too. I'm a I'm a firm believer, and we are a family. 
And I, I do say that with my team a lot. And I'm like, even if you hate each other, I'm like, families don't always get along. I'm like, how many of you absolutely love your siblings to death? You know, I know I didn't at one point. I'm like, but no matter what, you have your family's back. I'm like, you might not like them, but when you were out there, when you were playing, you have each other's back no matter what. I'm like, off the field, if you don't want to talk to each other, like, I don't, I don't care. But on this field, on this team, like, we are a family. We play together. I agree. 110 percent it's like keep all the keep all the 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 stuff in the locker rooms like i don't like like if you have any beef leave it in the locker room as soon as you as soon as you walk out just turn that off for however long the game is oh yeah and then and then as soon as the game's over and you want to walk back in the locker room and start screaming at each other okay i'll deal with that later but just for that time just forget that that happened you know um it's like Keep, like turn the world off for that time, and oh, then yeah. just mm-hmm. that the game is your world. Yeah, and then the outside world can come back on after Absolutely. you're done. And I know there's been times um, where I've had to have uh, a I called it a clear the air practice where we would literally just sit down <laughs> and it's going to sound stupid. It's almost like all right, listen, everybody, um, we're going to clear out all the beefs today. Whatever you have to say about somebody, let's keep it respectful. Let's keep it. Um, let's keep, you know, we're not, this is not going to be a shouting match where we're just, Hey, I hate you. You didn't show up to my part, blah, 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 but let's clear grievances an airing of the grievances. If I was going to say the Seinfeld. airing of grievances from the, Festivus, from Festivus, the airing of the grievances. I got but... a lot of beef with you people. <laughs> You're about to hear it. Kruger. <laughs> but, uh, I've, I've had those practices and you know what? Um, it's, I've only had them one or one or two times and I've noticed it's been better when you've had those practices did it ever not turn out well like did it get did it get to a point where it was bad or did you question yourself doing it because you thought like it was just going to go off the rail uh the first one i had and i think it was my uh, second or third year coaching um this was when i was at uh the park school um we we had a pretty good team that year but it was just – you were starting to hear that, well, this girl doesn't like this girl, this girl doesn't like this girl, this girl. So I you know, just kind of came up with the idea. It At first, I saw it going off the rails relatively quickly. Um, I thought it was going to be more of a, okay, I hear your point, okay. Well, <laughs> it totally wasn't. Like the first five minutes, it got into a shouting match that I didn't, well, you did this, you did this. And it was, you know, after about five minutes, I literally had to put on the coaching voice, hey, everybody stop talking right now because this is not what I wanted to. Let's make this productive. Let's be respectful. Let's be responsible about this. Remember, this is not here to point fingers at people. This is here to express opinions that you might be having, good or bad. This is here to get everybody on the same page. So absolutely, the first time I had it, it definitely went off the rails early, and I had to kind of pivot rather quickly. And the second time that I had it, I think I I learned from my mistakes, um, learned from what I did wrong, and it went relatively smoothly. And uh, in fact, it was funny at the end of the at the end of the airing of the grievances, I had two of the players that were just. You know, had that kumbaya moment where they're going shoulder and shoulder. You know, I love you, man. I'm sorry. And it was just like, okay. And you know what? I don't know what happened 
after the season during the school year, but they were best of friends the rest of the season. And we, you know, we got the result that we needed to get. Um, So I definitely think it can it can go off the rails quick, but you've got to know you've got to be that strong to not only have it, but know how to facilitate it. Yeah, I bet you heard uh, some. I bet you had some eye raising instances of like hearing like different beefs with people. It's like this, like oh wow, like I had no idea that was going on. Oh yeah, in the back of my mind, I'm like Ooh, okay, um, wow, hmm. <laughs> I can understand why they're so mad. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know if it's just um, if it's more of a, a a girls thing, a guys thing. I'm I'm sure with guys. I always said for guys, it's more like I've been on teams where I didn't get along with players, but it was more of, hey, I'm going to confront you. You know, this is what you did wrong, blah, blah, blah. It was more of us just going, confronting each other. We might scream, yell at each other, but then after about 20, 30 minutes, we cool? All right, let's go, and and that's it. It's done, where I think sometimes um, you get the players where it's just – they like to keep everything inside. They like to, you know, whisper behind backs or, mm-hmm. hey, did you see what this person did? Did you see what this person did? And it's, I think that's when it tends to get really, really nasty. And as a coach, again, you might not even realize, why he had no yeah. idea that was going on. Yeah. Um, They're sneaky. <laughs> kids nowadays, are, they get sneaky. Kids can be sneaky, absolutely. Kids are so sneaky. And then as you get older, your hearing goes and you're just like, yeah. I don't know what I heard. Yeah, exactly. Where you yeah. get there. Coach, did you hear that? Wait, what? Hear what? And it's, <laughs> you're it's lucky not, I heard you. Yeah, it's not like you're trying to like just avoid it or deny it or whatever. It's no, no, I legit did not yeah. hear it. What are you talking about? Yeah. That happened 20 yards away. I can't hear anymore. I was over here focusing on this <laughs> drill, and you expect me to hear something way over here. And I think sometimes that's where players instantly get into that little kid mode. Hey, did you hear that? He said, she said, he said... Like, no, I'm 50 yards away. I did not hear it. I'm working with the defense. You're on offense. No. Headphones on. It's coaches alone time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I've had the meetings, the facilitator meetings, the airing of the grievances, and it's gone both good and bad. Um, I haven't haven't had it in a while, thank goodness, and I hope I didn't just jinx myself. Knock on wood. I hope I don't have to have it this year. In fact, I know I won't. We've got a really good team, a really strong team. Um, that is, uh, you know, that that all gets along and all likes each other. Um, as I get to tomorrow's game, I'm sure it's all going to go to, you know, chaos fighting. <laughs> no, it won't. Um, but uh, so that's a little bit about that. Um, what do you guys think? Are we ready for the uh, ready to turn up the heat and get on the hot seat here? Sure. All right. I'm already on the hot seat. <laughs> I brought a warmer today. I was cold. Uh-oh. Got a little warmer. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. We're we're good to go with hot seat here. Um, as it gets colder outside. I didn't know where you were going with that when I totally I don't know if you the hot seat I just got a got like my seat is already hot I, I Oh, I'm just saying stuff. I was going to say I <laughs> I've been saying stuff for the past hour. I haven't processed it. Afterwards I'm thinking I'm like was that a joke? I'm like I just did I did I have an old person moment and just not hear everything anything? I say is a joke. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. All right. So we're going to go hot seat question one. I love how I answer the questions to these two, and it's not a hot seat because I'm the one. I was going to say, don't you write these questions? So maybe from now on, Matt, I'll have you come up with like a couple hot, like one. uh, In fact, maybe next week you'll do the hot seat uh, questions. Okay. So that I'm actually, I can feel the the heat of the seat there. Uh, Do you want my warmer? I can give it to you. No warmer. No warmer. 
I might need, you know, one of those little bubble things. You know, the seat's a little uncomfortable here. Okay. You mean like a donut? A donut. That's what it was. That Don't pregnant, for- <laughs> pregnant women wear and use? Absolutely. Okay. All Where? right. But question one, um, do you have a, or have you had like a victory dance or a celebration and care to describe it? Like anything, any one that you've done that's goofy, any one that you've normally done, um, I, I hate this question. <laughs> I know for me, I've had a couple at soccer, but I've had the one where I've pulled the jersey over the head after a goal. My personal favorite was always the one where you did the uh, the tying of the shoes, where you have you know somebody oh, comes yeah, up, yeah, and they, yeah. they get down, you put your foot on no, there, and they just and they start like <laughs> yeah, pretending like yeah. they're tying the shoe. That was always my personal favorite that I like to do. But I'd say either that or the the jersey over the head, you know, and then the the airplane. Move after that with it. That was those were always my two um, go to celebrations. Not that I was really a big uh, victory dance guy, but I would I would have my moments. Um, any uh, Megan, you hate this one. I'm guessing were you were you not that much of the victory dance celebration person? Well, no, I have one I want to share that's fun. Um, okay, so and it would would be our sideline that would do it. So when we'd score something, one of the ones we'd do is. We'd be in a canoe, and like someone would be in front, be like the, row, row, and we'd all have our six, and we'd be like row yeah. in the canoe. I love it. I love um, it. But like little, you said dance, and my freshman year, I really this is this is considered hazy, and I think maybe, but one game they made me dance before <laughs> we went out and played, and it was to. I don't even big big Sean's like I don't f with you. Oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. That was the song, and I did it, and it was ridiculous because I'm super awkward, and like as a little freshman on the team, I was super awkward. And that was this in high school or this college? This was in college. Okay. Um, and then after that day, every single game they would put on that song, and they'd make me dance to it. <laughs> I'll say I'm too old. I don't know what the yeah, song no, is, but maybe I'd terrible. know it if I heard it. I'm just awkward, and it was not fun. <laughs> Matt, any uh, any victory dance celebrations? No, I was on the defensive side. I never scored. Okay, but even after like making a big stick, like like fifty fifty ball win or making a big save, I know you can't make a like spike the soccer ball down or anything. <laughs> Do the Ronaldo just time <laughs> after saving the goal? No, um, I think if anything, I just you know just simple fist bump in the air. <laughs> <laughs> clap yeah keep it classy clap for myself because nobody else was i was gonna say this year too um our varsity team one game they were getting really into it and the bench would do the little like we jump like oh, in bowling yeah. so they'd score and they'd all just do like the little jump <laughs> they jump and spin <laughs> so around, spin around. <laughs> i love it all right question number two um and this does not have to be alcoholic it can be if you want but your favorite drink or shot Again, does not have to be alcoholic. How is it not alcoholic well, if you I say added, shot? I added the shot in there in <laughs> case you wanted to go the alcoholic route, but it could be like a hot cocoa. Um, I'll give you two, and I'll even go alcoholic. Um, for me, I, it wasn't a favorite shot, but it was, our, it was our fraternity shot, and it was not a favorite by any means, but it was, um, it was, a, uh, it was called liquid heroin. It was literally. This, it is, was, a, this is a G-rated it, podcast. It's, it's not drugs. It's not illegal. It was a third of. Um, it was a third of Black House, a third of One Fifty One, and a third. Um, what was the third? Uh, Black House One Fifty One, and a third of Jaeger, in the shot glass. You had to light it on fire. Okay. Well, you could either do the regular liquid heroin or the flaming liquid heroin. You could light it on fire. <laughs> 
and then you would pound the shot down. Um, it was our fraternity shot. I don't know who made it or created our fraternity shot, but I wish they hadn't because that would like one of those. And I wasn't done because I was like inebriated or anything or drunk or anything, but I was, it would just burn for like ever. It would burn going down. And it was one of those things where it was, I, I'd make it equivalent to like drinking a gallon of hot sauce. I mean, it you, you oh. felt it the rest of the night. So that was that was just a memorable shot. I don't know favorite, but my favorite drink was always and I think you guys would know this from camp was always an Armoretto mm-hmm. and Coke. And I know Megan's shaking her head. Yeah. Um it's funny my I am not a big drinker by any means. Um but I was out um I want to say freshman year, sophomore year um in college and one of my uh my older cousins Frank um I ended up meeting him at a at a bar later. I think it was junior year of college, maybe. And um, he knows that I'm not a really big drinker. And he introduced. He was like, you know, Lawrence here. You know, try it. Um, it's Armorado is a pretty weak liqueur, and it tasted like a cherry coke. It tastes like a cherry coke. It is very sweet. You really don't taste the alcohol in there, and it's really again pretty pretty rather weak. Um, it is nice. And I would say <laughs> Megan's had it. Matt, I don't know if you've tried it before. I've not. It is it is a nice drink that you can just sit there, relax, drink with. You don't have to worry about um, having too many of them, uh, and it's just something you can just sit and relax. and And I love it. That's my favorite. That's my favorite drink, Megan. I think I know what your favorite drink is, but it's it's up to you if you want to go alcoholic or non alcoholic. Um, I mean, also, I'm not like a huge drinker, but if I go alcoholic, I think my just the classic my go to is a whiskey ginger. That's um, what I was yeah, gonna guess. I was like, it's, I just like them. <laughs> Any reason that you got into the whiskey gingers? Or? Um, my dad, that's like he's a whiskey drinker, so okay. I feel like it was just what I like knew. I went, you know, when you turn 21, like, what do you drink? What, dad, like, what do you drink? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I know my dad drinks whiskey gingers sometimes. I'm like, I'll try that, and then it just, I was like, oh wait, I like this. Um, favorite shot though, um, tequila. I love, <sighs> I love tequila. Really? Yeah. Okay. Did you ever have the tequila like with the actual worm at the you know? No. Okay. <laughs> so you haven't had tequila, tequila. No, no, no. <laughs> I yeah. just remember always being afraid of tequila because at a at a, a family function, I think I was again uh, eleven or ten, uh, really young, wasn't drinking. Don't worry, not drinking. Um, but I just remember somebody had a bottle of tequila and they had the the worm at the bottom and all like you know um, people would say oh you know if you, don't be the last one to get the worm because you got to eat the worm you got to eat the worm if you you know if you take if the worm goes into your glass and from that point on even nowadays I'm like you know what I'm not trying tequila at oh. all I just don't want to try it um, so that kind of frightened me off of tequila. As I just silence everybody with it's, that awful story. No, it's. <laughs> but that's it. It's it's. I've heard it's really good. Um, tequila margaritas have tequilas in them. I love yes. margaritas okay. too. They are fantastic. When I was in the Dominican, we had some uh, margaritas, strawberry daiquiris. Mm. Very muy bueno, muy bueno. Matt, favorite again does not have to be alcoholic, but favorite drink or shot um, or both for shot. I like Jameson. Just because it's smooth, okay. It's it's a very smooth shot, and I'm not like you know, I, I that that's that's my alcoholic one. Favorite drink is just a Pepsi. Okay, I'll just, just diet or regular, no, just oh, straight cold Pepsi. So Pepsi, Larry, Pepsi or Coke? Oh yeah, 
Ooh. Or Dr. Um, Pepper. I also am a big Dr. Pepper Dr. fan. I was going to say, I, if I've got to choose, I'm definitely choosing Dr. Pepper. Yeah. I'm, I'm by far, though, more of a root beer guy. I'm by far more of a What kind a- of root beer? A&W, baby. A&W. That one doesn't even have caffeine in it. I know, but I love A&W. I just think it's got a, it's got a, just a nice, smooth taste to it. A&W all day. Root beer all gives day. me heartburn. So I, really? Yeah, I don't know. And I, I found that out recently. Because I do like root beer. and Even with the it. no caffeine? Yeah. Like the a and I don't wow. know what it is about okay. it, but it gives me heartburn. Now, there is root beer that does have caffeine. But, yeah, yeah, there's like one, I think. I know. Bar- Barks has it. Yeah, the, um, the one with the great label. Barks. Yeah, okay, yeah. I know it's my favorite. Yeah. And I always try to tell my mom, get the root beer with caffeine in it. And she never does. And I was just like, it's the gray one. Like, all the other ones are like brown. In fact, that was their, Barks oh, has yeah. bite. Yeah. Barks has, a, and I just think that maybe the bite means caffeine. I don't know if are they the only root beer that has caffeine. This maybe? is the only one that I know because Mugs doesn't, A and W doesn't, um, Parks does. Out of the okay. three root beers I know, I love it. No, in fact, with root beer, and I don't know why I'm going off the trail here with root beer, but anywhere like I'm, uh, I I love finding like. Off-brand root beers are not well-known root beers, like yeah. like more like of like made local. with like cane sugar and stuff yes, like that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. I'm telling you, I love IBCs. I love Saranac has a great root beer. Um, I can't think of the one I other that I had the other day. Um, it's not root beer, but I have you ever had the Harry Potter butter beer uh, bottles or whatever? Oh that my just god, sounds gross. No, it is fantastic. It's like a butterscotch beer, butter oh. beer from the movie. But they made it. Somebody bottled it. I think it's at Wegman somewhere. Oh my god, it is delicious. But I just killed four of them yesterday, <laughs> and it's non-alcoholic, and I love it. Ted's Hot just came out with a beer. Ted's Hot Dogs. Did they really? What? Yeah. Uh, pa- they partnered with Thin Man. Okay, oh, cool. okay. Yeah. It, uh, so apparently, like they made it be like a like you're supposed to like drink it while you're grill. But I just saw that in the grocery store today. I was like, oh, Ted's has a beer. <laughs> I could, and it comes from Thin Man, so like Thin Man has good. Oh, beers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Just no, throw that out there. For sure. And remember, kids only drink when you're over 21. Well, yeah. yeah. Yes. Public service announcement. Don't, I mean, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be forced to drink. That's right. Yeah, I was going to say, once you turn 21, you don't, don't have, have to drink. To. Oh, no. You don't have to. But no drinking under 21, especially for any of my soccer kids. No drinking under 21. <laughs> or any kids. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Just all kids. Just don't, just all kids. Oh, no gosh. drinking under 21. All right. Um, most embarrassing sports moment, sports moment, like something that either happened on the field, happened off the field, um, as you're getting on the field. I know for me, um, I don't know if this was my most embarrassing one, but it's one that came to mind when I came up with this question. Um, when I was playing, uh, for, uh, high school, our field was, um, at the bottom of a hill. So we had to, you know, walk down a hill or whatever to get to our field wasn't a big hill, just a nice little slope. And um, one day it was, wasn't even really rainy outside. And um, there was, we had for, I think it might have been a homecoming game or homecoming week or something. There was a good amount of people there. It was my junior year, so I was uh, junior captain. And for whatever reason, I decided to run down the hill. And all of a sudden, like feet went under me, like just came flat on my back, like just fell and I'm pretty sure everybody saw me. It wasn't like, you know, starting lineup or anything, but it was, and I, all I remember was, and it it hurt, but I just remember I had to get up as quickly as I could. A, because I didn't want anybody to see that I had fallen. And B, just to, I played it off, like I had a couple teams, dude, are you all right? I'm fine. 
I'm fine. I'm fine. You're holding back tears. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> you didn't see anything. <laughs> didn't see anything. I'm fine. And I just remember after that just going – I don't think I went back to the locker room, but just going somewhere like off to the side that I can kind of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, give me a moment. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. I'm good. <laughs> Let me get myself back together. And then I'm pretty sure everybody knew that I was back there, but – and all right, let's go. And just totally played it off like nothing happened the rest of the day. So that was that was my uh, – I don't know if it was my most embarrassing moment, but one that came to came to mind for me. What about you guys? Any – again, it could be at a pep rally. could be at a game, during a game, before a game, after a game. Any embarrassing sports moment, even watching a game or coaching. I know coaching another one. Like I said, I had one player legitimately had to – as I'm yelling at a referee, had to pick me up and, man, and like put me off to the sideline and be like, "Coach, relax, calm down." Um, that hasn't happened in a while, but it definitely did happen. So that's another one on me. I just, I honestly, I mean, I think the the most embarrassing thing in while playing was like, and we talked about it before, was making that save and you're in the crease and you go back to clear and the ball oh, falls yeah. out into the goal. I'm like, it just, I still think about it and I cringe, <laughs> but one and done, one and done. It happened. It never happened again. <laughs> there we go. One and done. I'd say that, I'd say that qualifies as an embarrassing moment. Yeah. And as a goaltender, I'm sure it was magnified because there's no hiding oh. from that. Nah, there's no hiding from it. Everyone hated me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How did your team did it? Was it kind of um, like, hey, Megan, let's go. Get, it's all right. It's all good. I actually, or... I think we were we were either losing by a lot that it didn't matter or we were winning by a lot that it didn't matter. Because I remember it happened and it was just kind of, it was like brushed <laughs> off. Like it didn't matter. Oh, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they were just being nice to me. I don't know. <laughs> Matt, any embarrassing sports moments? I have a lot of embarrassing sports moments. I'm an embarrassing kind of guy. Um, why, all right, this one, this one's okay. This one's I'm not like super embarrassed and or grossed out by. Um, I remember it was like eighth grade track, and for the longest time, I would go to the same person my mom got her haircut from to just get mine because I'd go with her and it was just one place done done. But so I remember I had to leave practice early to, you know, put my mom, I was like, I, like I said, I don't like confrontation. So I was like, mom, how do I tell my coach that I have to leave? And he's, she's like, just tell him you have a hair appointment. So I walked up to my male coach and said, I have to leave early today because I have a hair appointment. And he says, wait, wait, was this Silverstein that you told this to? No, no, this is track. Oh, track. Sorry, I this thought is, you said soccer. No, this is middle school track. So wait, would this this would have been Barrett? No, this was Wright. Okay. Do you know? Do you remember? He, yeah. I don't know why. Coach Wright. Okay, I think I know who you're talking about, but go ahead. Sorry. So I told him, I was like, Coach, I got to leave for a hair appointment. And he says in his big, loud voice in, in the gym, he is just like, Keo, I'm going to let you go, but don't you ever call it a hair appointment again. <laughs> And to this day, I will never call. I'm just going to say I'm going to get my hair cut. I love it. Um, I don't think I could pull off that excuse with the hair appointment, but I love it. That's so bad. And as a coach, you hear, and this is kind of going off topic from from the hot spot, but have you, 
kind of carrying off that, what's a crazy excuse that a kid has come up to you, coach, I need to leave early before blah, 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 or coach, I can't make practice tomorrow because, like, have you ever had one of those just, wait, what, what, what did you say? <laughs> like, what was the reason? I honestly don't think I have. I've gotten the occasional um, coach, I need, I have a nail appointment from the girls. I had one that came up to me, um, and again, this was this was early on. In my, this was maybe, uh, I was still coaching at Park. Um, this was maybe my third or fourth year in, and I just had a girl come up to me. Um, coach, I can't make practice tomorrow. Well, why? Um, coach, I could lie and give you a reason, or I could just say, I can't make practice tomorrow, and can we leave it at that? I was just so taken back. I'm like, part of me wanted to say, at least give me a reason. Give me an excuse. Make something up. You know, I just kind of looked. I was like, okay, fair enough. Because it was one of those athletes that she, it was one of those athletes where she never made that excuse or never really took a day off. But she was, she. so I just kind of let it go. So, so we're talking about excuses and stuff for practice? Okay. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. My name is Matt, um, and I was overhearing this conversation. I had to jump in. So um, my apologies for being No, no, no. Okay. Come on in. All right. Matt, for so, those of you guys who don't know, Matt Johnson is a man who makes this all possible. He is the man behind the man behind the man behind the man. <laughs> You're making me blush. Stop it. Uh, so years ago, I used to coach high school wrestling at Niagara Falls, okay? Um one year we were getting ready for practice. It was like early season November, and this one kid who was our varsity heavyweight the year prior uh, comes up to me like 30 minutes into practice. He goes, hey, coach, I got to leave. I'm like, why? What's going on? He goes, my team, they need me. I'm like, what are you taught your team? What? This is your team right here. My Your team? Nah, coach, you don't understand. My, my, my team needs me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Coach, my Call of Duty team needs me. I have to go to practice. No way. I swear to God. Are you kidding me? He left and never came back. <laughs> he never came back at all. Like, like that was it. He just retired from wrestling. That's amazing. Thank you for your time. Have, enjoy the rest of your episode, everybody. <laughs> if you're, if you're going to go out, you've you got to go out like I that. I was lying. That was amazing. Like, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I respect Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. That is fantastic. I'm leaving for Call of Duty. My team <laughs> needs me. The boys need me. <laughs> Call of Duty. Screw wrestling, man. Oh my god! I, I love it. That, oh my god! I think that takes the cake. Uh, that we're we're going straight to question number four. I I forgot what we're at. Question number four here. Um, your favorite hobby? Favorite hobby doesn't like doesn't have to be sports related. Favorite hobby or even just a favorite stress reliever. Favorite hobby? Favorite stress reliever? You're just coming home. You're having a you're having a bad day, or you just hey man, this is what I do to really just help me unwind from the day um for me a stress reliever is um i guess we can do both stress reliever and hobby they're kind of different for me stress reliever if i'm having a really bad day whether it's coaching whether it's teaching whether it's just uh got a parking ticket anything um i'll go down to my i'll go down into the basement i've got a heavy bag an old heavy bag down there i'll put on the boxing gloves and i'll just beat the crap out of the heavy bag for probably a good 10 15 
20 minutes. There's been a time where I've done it for like a half an hour, 45 minutes. Um, it does scare the dogs upstairs a little bit. Um, but I'll just go out and I will just like literally beat my problems away in the heavy bag. And you just, I don't know if it's maybe the fact that you're just punching something out or you get that exercise, the, the endorphins or whatever from the exercising. But it's just afterwards you're like, all right, let's go. Um, and that's it. And I'll leave it down there. And uh, as far as me for favorite hobby, um, I love to cook. I just, I really find cooking a stress reliever, whether I'm cooking pasta, whether I'm cooking ribs, uh, whether I'm trying a new recipe. Um, baking is definitely more of my wife's thing. Baking is definitely Vicky's thing. She is a fantastic baker. She's a great cooker too. She loves cooking too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm not a baker. I just, I love cooking and I don't follow a recipe at all. I'll have a basic idea of what needs to go into something, but it's, I love just Having that where you don't have to plan anything out. You can just, hey, I need some carrots. I need some onions. I need some celery. You might get a little grocery list the day before or the day of. You do some shopping, but you come home and you just you pop on some music. You dice things up. You plop it in. You do this. You do that. For me, it's just it's a huge stress reliever for me. Um, you guys, any stress relievers, any any hobbies? I don't I Cooking is a stress reliever too, but it's more of a hobby, I guess, for me. Um, any stress relievers or hobbies that you guys have? Or am I the only coach out there that gets stressed? Well, it's funny you say that because, I mean, I have a few, and it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. But the first thing that popped in mind was actually um, I took a few boxing classes, and I was like, that was like such probably the biggest stress reliever, just being able to go and like hit something, you know? Absolutely. I love it. And I'm not a violent man, but yeah, I, no, I love it. Same. <laughs> But it was great. And then cooking as well. And I didn't realize I really enjoyed to cook until I started getting so stressed out from, like, college and now teaching. And it's just one of those things I can go home. And I think it's, like, more chopping vegetables. Like, that's the part of it I enjoy. I enjoy, like, dicing. Yeah. Cutting things. The one with the knife. The action with the knife is (laughs) what you... I know. And honestly, I'm kind of realizing that now. Maybe maybe there's more there, but... Yeah, but I think, too, um, it's you just... You literally have to focus on the task at hand or you're going to cut yourself. You're going to mess something up. But then my other two, so, like, I make art, so whether it's painting or clay, music, too, that used to be a big one when I was in a different apartment. Now I have very thin walls, but, like, playing saxophone and ukulele and piano. Now, that's one thing I always found. Do you notice that, like, a lot of art teachers are into music and vice versa? A lot of, like, music teachers are into art. Are those two things that are kind of, like, like a yin and yang with each other, like, kind of go together a lot? Or is it more like, you know, just happens to be like a, like a, um, a unique thing? So personally, out of my art teachers, like art teacher friends, most of them are involved with music, too. Um, so I think it's situational, though, because then I have like other people <laughs> who I feel like it's just like more art people, not art teachers. OK. I don't know. <laughs> As I say, we got we yeah, got another special guest here, Matt. Right there. Can you, I, I don't know if that one's on, Matt. Give her yours. Try it. Um, or, what am I? Oh gosh. <laughs> Matt, try, you, try that one. Try that one. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can hear. So yeah. Matt, do you want to introduce our our, our guest here? Uh, this is some person I found on the side of the street today. No, I'm kidding. No, no. This is my uh, girlfriend Hallie. She's a music teacher and can weigh in on this. Okay, I was gonna say Thank now you. as we're as I'm asking that question, <laughs> I see Haley in the background just. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, like. So, <laughs> 
Haley, jump in there. Yeah, well, maybe it's different for me just because growing up, my dad was an art teacher. So I had kind of both influences in my life, and my brother is an artist now. So um, I'm surrounded by art and music all the time. But even the other music teachers that I've talked to, I mean, everybody is always collaborating or, uh, you know, collaborating on everything. So um, right now, the music and the art teacher are celebrating Dot Day. So the music teacher is having the kids um, paint dots, and the art teacher is having the kids sing, or not sing right now, but move to music. So they collaborate a lot in those departments, and it's it's super fun for the kids, especially for the elementary kids. So I always see a lot of connections being made between the two. But also what I used to do last year was um, I would show the students um, art, different art and music class. So I would show them, let's see, um, a lot of Jackson Pollock paintings, mm-hmm. for example. Um, Jazz. And, <laughs> yes, exactly. And ask them, what do you think influenced these paintings? And how do you think that jazz influenced them? So it is really related, and I think it's really amazing. So it's cool because it is related, and I do things like that too with music. So there's um, Kandinsky. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys. Yes, and the the music box or the the paint box and everything. Yes. So um, he's also an artist. I can't think of the word for it right now um, where he sees color. Yes. uh, Okay. Kinesthesia. Yes, thank you. Yes, Yes. that is it. (laughs) So basically. Matt, you knew that, right? You knew that word? (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do lessons with my kid where we'll like listen to certain songs or noises and we'll be like okay like how did that make you feel and like what color could you use to represent that and then we'll like play music and I'll have them create art based off of the music they're listening to so it's like absolutely you know what kind of colors what kind of shapes can you use yeah um, how can you draw the lines in a way that expresses oh, I'm so excited right yeah. now <laughs> <I'm> like... <laughs> Wait, I think we should just go <laughs> this sounds like this should be a podcast I think Haley and Megan should get together and do like the yes. jazz jazz and painting or uh, paint jazz paint and jazz you know, a little podcast. I think we got a new podcast brewing here. Now, we get, like, you know, a percentage of this, right? You yeah, know, yeah. A little finder's fee? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is, that's awesome. But I, I, I always, the only reason I asked it, because it seems like in a lot of the buildings that I teach at, you get the music teacher and the art teacher, they're, they're, they might not always collaborate, but they're trying to at least get some of their lessons to, to work together. Yeah. So that's why I didn't know if it was just something that happened in my building or if that was a very common thing for the art and music department yes but what i find isn't as common is art and sports oh, art yeah. and sports um i've gone to museums does that count i mean i i enjoy art but i gotta say um i've uh music and sports for sure mm-hmm. um art and sports yeah i don't know one of my professors in college because i would have to miss classes or i'd like need extra time on things because of sports and he straight up to my face was like you're never going to make it as an artist because you're putting your time and effort into something else he's like you're just never going to be the best you can be at art like i could see that i could even see for art and music it's something like if you want to be a top composer or if you want to be a top musician or a top artist that's got to be your life 24 7 like you've got to eat it breathe it live it sleep it you gotta it's got to be you like you can't have any uh, any outside interests. Am I am I kind of right on that? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All throughout music school, um, I would go to rehearsals. I would say maybe six times a week. I would go to symphony orchestra rehearsal, which was three times a week for two hours. 
I would go to chamber orchestra rehearsals twice a week for three hours. And I would have my um, quartet rehearsals once a week for about two hours. And it was just everything constant. And it doesn't include your classes either. So I'm sure it's the same thing that you've experienced. It is your entire life. So it's hard to kind of have something outside of that. But you want to try to as well to have kind of a a distraction from a lot of the stress that you're feeling from that. A little work-life balance there. I like it. Like I said, I think we've, I think we've, we've, Got a, a little podcast brewing here. A little Megan's nodding her head. Haley's nodding her head. <laughs> I think we're going to have to talk to Matt about this outside because I think he's got a he's got a new podcast here for the podcast precinct, the Art and Jazz Club. Art and Jazz Club. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap things up with our last hot seat question, um, and this goes out. Haley, you can answer this one too. You're part of the you're, podcast, you're part of the podcast right. now. Oh, yes. Um, are would you consider yourself more of a risk taker? Or more, or do you like to play it safe? Like, what's your? Are you more of a risk taker personality wise, or more of a, a person that plays it safe? Risk taker, risk taker. Why? I do a lot of stupid stuff, <laughs> and like it takes very little to convince me to do it. Like, I remember a couple years ago, um, I went somewhere cliff jumping, you know, into a, like a waterfall, like you know, but they're like, yeah, the. the Water used to be a lot higher, <laughs> so but I st- so I I did it with the full like I hit I hit bottom as soon as I hit the water like you know if I hit the wrong way it would have hurt mm-hmm. but I did that I jumped into like a from a cliff into like this little like hole into the water like I'll do stuff that probably isn't the smartest idea and and even Hallie is not a fan of it sometimes of just my I'd say impulsiveness. Okay, good word. Yeah. Um, but... All right. So Matt is definitely the risk taker. Um, Megan, are you more of the risk taker, more of the play it safe? I think it's situational. Okay. So again, like something like if, if I had the opportunity and I was on a cliff, like, oh yeah, like not a big cliff, but like the ones you can jump <laughs> off of into water, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Or even in sports, I feel like. I'd take the risk to go get an interception or something like that. But then, like, other things that are maybe a little more, like, finances. I'm a little (laughs) less risky. I like to really try to think it out. I definitely play things safe when I probably should be a little more riskier, but... But that's understandable. Exactly. When it's like real life, you, you, like, I, yeah, I play it safe when it comes to actual stuff that matters. My body, yeah, screw it. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Haley, what do you think? More conservative, more risk taker? I do not take risks very often. <laughs> okay. I mean, when it comes to music, I guess if I'm, let's say that I'm improvising or something in some sort of jazz pop thing, I'll try to take risks just to experiment with with the music and see what I can come up with. But with anything else, I don't take risks. With cooking, I, I do take risks. There you go. Because I want to try and find different tastes, but... Yes. Other than those, I don't take risks. No, you took a risk dating me. <laughs> that was a big risk. That is a risk. So it sounds like you're more of like a a, a calculated risk taker. Yes. It's got to be very calculated. And I would use that because I think that's me. I'm more – I, in fact, I, lo- I would love to be more of a risk taker. In fact, I tell a, a lot of people like, listen, I wish I could be a little bit more of a risk taker. I take, I take risks when I need to, but I am definitely more of the person where I would like to uh, – even even I find this especially early on in my coaching philosophy. I'm going to err on the defense a little bit. I'm going to err more on the conservative side. Um, I'm going to um, 
I'd rather play it smart than you know get out there and and be a little more risky. There are times that I've had to be risky, make the calculated risk. Um, there is times like Matt, I've definitely done some stupid things um, that I probably uh, either got talked into with not much effort or that I thought, yeah, that's gonna go great, that's gonna be fine. Um, so I've done the the uh, those type of risks as well, but even those. Um, there were times where I'd have to play through the scenario in my head. Hey, wait a minute. What is going to happen here? What is it? And a lot of times I'll either talk myself out of it or I'll just get that occasional, hey. I was going to say, the more, you, the more you play it in your head, the less likely you're about to do it. <laughs> That's why you just turn it off. You turn there, but like, listen, let's, it's time to, we'll, we'll bring that, the brain down to a little bit there so we can go on. We'll process it after we get injured. <laughs> yes, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Or before so you don't get injured. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why people like you have to be around us. <laughs> so you can plan it for us. That's a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> it's all right. I'm not cliff jumping. There's no cliffs around here. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I love it. Well, this has been the, I think, a very calculated, risky podcast today. We've had a lot of topics, a lot, had a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, Haley, for joining us at the end there. Uh, we even got uh, Big Matt Johnson to come in there and give, um, give his take on some stories. Um, Megan, as always, I'm sure we'll be having you on the podcast again, or you might even start your own with Haley over there. I'm sure you then guys can have us, talking. and we won't know what yes. we're talking about. <laughs> We'll be the guys in the back on uh We'll be the comic relief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, jazz one. <laughs> but thank you, everybody, for tuning in, for listening. We've had a lot of fun. We'll see you next week from Stories from the Sideline.